The Next Chapter with Terry Shepard, award-winning broadcaster, narrator, and author. A deep dive into the writer's craft with the artists and support systems who create the stories we love. Stephen Iolano is an award-winning author who writes exceptional historical fiction. Ace Atkins describes Steve's debut novel, Rook, as technicolor noir. New York Times bestselling author David Morrell says Steve's story collection about muscle cars brims with sense details, giving them multi-dimensional feel. His latest is Yesteryear, a fascinating portrait of the man who created the Lone Ranger. Steve Iuato, welcome to the program. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You have been working very hard promoting Yesteryear. How has the tour gone so far? <laughs> well, Yesteryear comes out in October, so we started early. Uh, trying to create some buzz and get the word out. So uh, uh, it's been a lot of work, but a lot of fun at the same time. Tell us the story behind Yesteryear. You know, you mentioned uh, Muscle Cars and Rook in your in your intro, and I could tell you where I got the idea for every single story in Muscle Cars. I can tell you where I was standing and what I was reading when I got the idea for my novel, Rook. I have no idea where I first learned about Franz Stryker. I think I was at a bar or a party and somebody had mentioned that Fran, um, that the creator of the Lone Ranger was from Buffalo, New York, where I'm from, my hometown, where I'm based out of. And I said, well, that can't possibly be true because I'm a Buffalo-based writer. I would have heard about if the guy who wrote the Lone Ranger was from here. Buffalo is a, is very good about celebrating um, people who grew up here or have some connection here and have gone on to be successful. Like the Google Dolls are from Buffalo. Joyce Carol Oates was born here uh, and grew up here. So we're very good about celebrating it. People like that. And I never heard about Franz Stryker. So I said, well, you're wrong. And of course I whip out my phone, I Google it. And it turns out that not only Fran was from Buffalo, he was from the neighborhood I was living in. Um, he went to high school two blocks up the street. He lived over on Granger Place, just north of me. I did some more digging and found out he not only wrote The Lone Ranger, he also wrote The Green Hornet and Sergeant Preston, The Yukon, and the Tom Quest book series. I've never heard of the man. I said, well, how could this possibly be? And so I did a little bit more research, and I think one of the reasons why, <laughs> the main reason why, is because he sold the rights to the Lone Ranger for $10, and the man he sold it to, George W. Trendle, the station owner of, of uh, WXYZ in Detroit, um, started claiming in interviews that he was the creator of the Lone Ranger. And he kept repeating that lie until his death in the early 1970s. And so Fran never got kind of the recognition that a Stan Lee um, has gotten, you know, during his career. So that's how I found out about Fran. And then you decided to write the book? Well, I figure I had to, right? I mean, it was, it was too good of a story. Um, and he did sell the rights for $10. But in Fran's defense, he did it for all the right reasons. Um, it was 1933, um, in the depths of the Depression. Fran had two, a wife and two small children. Plus, he was supporting about a dozen members of his extended family who had lost everything in the Depression. And they were, he was financially responsible for them. And so money was tight. He was, you know, uh, working for WEBR, a local radio station here in town. He was um, 
selling scripts uh, across the nation for between two and six dollars an episode for for extra cash, and that's how he and Trendle cross paths because um, by 1932 and the 32, Trendle was buying about four episodes a week from Fran. Um, recycled old scripts that Fran was sending out. And he came to him and said, hey, can you write a Western? You know, the usual stuff, bank robbers, girl tied to railroad tracks, etc." And Fran said, sure. And he dug out an old script called, an old episode called Covered Wagon Days. And for whatever reason, he chose episode number 10 and reworked that and introduced this idea of the Lone Ranger. Um, and he was selling them to Trendle for about four bucks an episode. You know, fast forward about a year, 1930, um, I guess 34 is now, um, the Rangers just starting to take off. They got a national adverti- a national, um, you know, advertiser and Trendle was a smart businessman. And so that's when he came to Stryker with this deal. He knew a friend's financial responsibilities at home and said, hey, I'll offer you a job of being a full-time writer for WXYZ. Um, a good salary, steady income, job security through the depression. But the catch is you have to sell me the rights to the Lone Ranger for $10. And of course, what do you do? You have to support your family. At this point, Fran had never had a national hit, no less a national sponsor. Um, He had written dozens of of radio series up to that point. None of them had really been super successful. Some lasted four episodes, some lasted 20. So he took the deal. Um, and depending how you look at it, it was either the best deal in entertainment history or the worst deal in entertainment history. Um, because, of course, when when Trendle went to sell the rights in 1954, when the Ranger was making the transition to television, he sold it for over $3 million, which was a record sale at the time. And then when NBC Universal bought it, uh, um, I guess about 10 years ago, they paid over $3 billion for it. And of course, Stryker and his heirs, you know, never saw any of that money. Without giving away the story in yesteryear, how is it different from what you've just told us? Well, I I focus on um, the period of time when Stryker was first approached from Trendle up until the Rangers premiere. Um, And I kind of condense some timelines there. And I really, you know, coming off of Muscle Cars, um, which were very spare stories, and Rook, which is a, sort of a crime novel, um, I felt like I wanted to write something more along, along the lines of um, Shoeless Joe by W.P. Kinsella, um, that Field of Dreams was based on, and The Natural, um, which, of course, was a movie with Robert Redford. Uh, also filmed in Buffalo, New York, by the way. Uh, I wanted to write something that was very lush with some magical realism, you know, based in historical fact. So it reads much different than Muscle Cars in Yesteryear because it deals with the idea, you know, like where do stories come from? Where did Fran come up with, you know, a horse named Silver and Kimosabi and Silver Bullets? And, you know, the answer is when, and you know this, um, stories are all around us and we take what we need when we need it. Sometimes it's filed away and then when we need it, it's there. It's, it's very, um, it's very um, kind of mystical uh, and magical. And those elements are in the story. 
And because I was thinking of those two baseball novels, Shoeless Joe and The Natural, I had this mantra in my head that swing for the fences. Um, and to me, that was no stroke was too broad. No joke was off limits. No sentence is too long and winding and, you know, musical. Um, just just swing for it. What do you have to lose? Um, and so that's was my mindset going in. So it's it's a, a fun book to write. It was a fun book to research. And I'm hoping it's going to be a fun book to read. Stephen Ioano is our guest on the program today. You can find him online. His website is sgeoannou.com and steve.eoannou on Facebook. With a last name like that, you probably had no problem getting the .com you wanted, right? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't taken. It wasn't taken. <laughs> you write about real people in real places, Steve. Does that make it harder or easier to tell a story? Well, it's um, the Rook and and certainly yesteryear are in that vein. Um, it's it's kind of a both. It's a double edged sword. It's easier because you know the basic plots of somebody's plot points of somebody's life is laid out for you. I know when this person was arrested. I know when he went to jail. I know when he was paroled uh, with Fran. Uh, like I knew when the Lone Ranger premiered in Buffalo before it went to Detroit. Um, I knew the major characters. The John L. Barrett, who was a local Buffalo actor, played the Lone Ranger uh, one time, and he was the first Lone Ranger because it premiered in Buffalo as a test pilot before going to Detroit. He's in there. Jimmy Slattery, who was the lightweight, former lightweight heavy champion of the world from South Buffalo, is in there. Um, mafioso Stephen Magdiano, who, who ran the Buffalo mob for decades. He's in there and he's in love. Uh, all these people were in Buffalo at around the same time. So it was easy because I could research them and I knew physical descriptions and things like that. It's harder because you want to be true to their story, but you also want to, you know, be creative and tell something that's entertaining um, and magical and kind of, you know, try to the story was was really trying to be kind of myth-making, if you will, about how this Lone Ranger came to be and how he lasted 90 years because this year is the 90th anniversary of, of the Rangers' broadcast uh, debut. Um, so everything's kind of lining up in that way. So it's easier. It's harder. Um, the next novel that's coming out in a couple of years, in 2025, purely a figment of my imagination. So um, it is set in Buffalo. Um, that's kind of my turf. Um, but it is purely a figment of my imagination. You wrote for three decades before finding an audience and started to gain, gain traction in your career. Do you feel a kinship with Fran Stryker's character in this story? Uh, um, slightly. Uh, I love Fran, or what I know of Fran Stryker, because he was such a big-hearted guy, and, and he worked so hard, and he was so prolific. Um, I guess the difference was it didn't take him 30 years. <laughs> uh, it's taken him longer to get the recognition, uh, but it didn't take him longer to break through. Um, I guess what Fran and I have in common is, is neither one of us quit. Um, we kept writing and kept getting, uh, not the results that we wanted, um, but we hung in there. And, you know, I think one of the tenets of, of, uh, the Lone Ranger's creed is that, um, um, truth will always live on. And I think, um, I, I like to think that Fran took solace in that knowing that 
eventually people were going to realize his contribution to 20th century pop culture. Um, I mean, he is in the National Broadcasting Hall of Fame. He is in the Buffalo Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Um, but he's never, he's not a household name. Like I always think of Stan Lee, you know, the great um, comic book creator. Um, he's not in that league just because of the lie that was told. So um, it's when I tell people when I'm being interviewed, it's really good to be here after 30 years. It's really good to be here. You know, <laughs> Stevie Iwano is our guest on the program. The book is Yesteryear, the story of Fran Stryker, the man who created the Lone Ranger. Steve, why did you stay with it for three decades? Why keep writing? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, I, it, it never occurred to me to stop. I think when with a writer, I mean, that's what we do, um, right? I mean, look, I'm not going to write anymore. I'm just going to be a reader or I'm just going to write book reviews. That's writing. Um, but then I'll say, oh, that's a good idea for a story. And the next thing you know, you're up at 5 a.m. and you're, you're trying to work it out. And so... I, it just really never entered my mind. And the way I try to explain it to people is I say, well, look, there's millions of people who play golf on the weekend and they're never going to play in the Masters. And there's millions of people that play tennis on the weekend and they're never going to go to Wimbledon. I'm going to be one of those guys that I don't golf, I don't play tennis, I'm, I write and I'll, I'll never be published, but that's what I'm going to do. That's my thing. And, um, you know, I kept trying, I kept, I was sending things out and they were being rejected. Uh, but I hung in there and, um, you know, something happened, uh, about 10 years ago, whether it's, I had lived long enough and had matured enough and had something to say, uh, or if I just, after, after 30 years, if you do anything for 30 years, you're gonna get better at it sooner than later. Right. You hope. Um, but things started happening. Some, some, some things clicked and, um, you know, like I said, I've got uh, two books out. The third comes out in October. The fourth one comes out in 2025. So, yeah, I'm um, I'm enjoying this part of the my writing career much much more than the first 30. Can you identify one thing that was the turning point? Well, you know, I, I know going an MFA program isn't for everybody, but I went to um, Queen's University of Charlotte. I guess in 2009, I graduated in 2011. Um, and I think that was the, I know that was a turning point for me. And again, MFA programs aren't for everybody. It's a time commitment. It's a monetary uh, commitment, but I think one of the best things was just surrounding myself with these creative people and other writers. Um, and when I joined the program, Fred Lebron, the director said, the only thing I can promise you is you're going to leave here with a, a network of, of writers to share your work with. And he was absolutely right. And I think that was invaluable to get their, their, um, feedback. Um, the other thing I worked with a great writer named David Payne, and I was trying to write this novel, um, called slip kid. It was actually a ended up being a short story in muscle cars didn't make it as a novel and after about my third chapter i think he was you know tired of reading this and he did something very painful and very generous at the same time he took the entire chapter like 20 25 pages and redlined it like he was going to edit it and it looked like a murder scene because he did use red ink because this is the way i would rewrite it and i studied that all summer 
and I learned about economy of words, economies of sentences, trying to figure out why he cut certain things or moved certain things. And that was a huge, painful exercise, but it made me a better writer for my second year at Queens. Stephen G. Ioano is the writer of Rook. He's the writer of the great collection Muscle Cars and the forthcoming fascinating story of the life of Fran Stryker in that one moment before the Lone Ranger really took off as a historic radio program. And that is coming out in the fall. Uh, com and Steve E-O-A-N-N-O-U on Facebook. Great to have you with us. Well, thank you so much. It's been fun. It's, it's always fun telling Fran's story. The next chapter is produced in association with the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. I'm Lisa Davis. Join Terry Shepard again in the next chapter.